We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This is Pentecost Sunday. We recognize this is the day that we remember when the Holy Spirit was poured out on planet Earth. When 120 disciples, after 10 days of fasting and prayer, received the promise of the Father. It's a powerful, powerful time because it marked the launch, the birth, the genesis of the New Testament church. You and I are a part of that New Testament church. However, I think we have drifted from the power of the promise. So I want to talk to you about that this morning. Do we value the gift more than the giver? Because I think for many of us, we do. You see, when we're in the presence of God, we have to understand and recognize all things are possible. And it's in that place that God can do miraculous things in our life. But we have to be in that place for it to happen and to occur. So Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8, the Bible says these words. Jesus said, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the fulfillment of this word. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, the King James says cloven tongues, as of fire, one set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, now add your anointing to the blessing of preaching of your word. Open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you're speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I want to talk to you in just a few minutes this morning about the state of Christianity. Where we are at as a church and why we're there. We live in a Christian society. Let me narrow it down even a little bit more. A charismatic Pentecostal society that places, I believe, far too much emphasis upon the gift and far not enough emphasis upon the giver. Anytime we place emphasis upon the gift rather than upon the giver who is the Holy Spirit himself, we fail to understand what God really wants in our lives. We move ourselves into places of error, positions of uh, bad judgment and things happening that we don't think should be happening because we have moved away from the giver to the gift. When we become more gift-oriented than giver-oriented, we value results. We become scorekeepers in the kingdom of God. Do you understand God has one agenda and that's to grow His church, to expand His kingdom? He really doesn't care how much you speak in tongues or prophesy or walk in a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. He wants to know what has the giver done to change your life? What has the giver of the Holy Spirit done to make a difference in you on a daily basis? And if you can say nothing, then something's wrong in you. You push more value on the gift than you have on the giver. Paul said it this way to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. And I'm reading this from the NIV. He said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is the one that makes it grow. Did you hear what I just said and what he just wrote? I planted, Apollos watered, but God makes it grow. Hear me, church. The kingdom of God will advance without you or me. Why? Because God makes it grow. 
Because the responsibility for increasing the kingdom isn't on your shoulders or on my shoulders. It's not dependent upon our giftings or our abilities. It's dependent upon the Lord of the universe who makes it grow. Paul said, would you all quit fighting and arguing about things that don't matter? He said, I planted, yes, Apollos watered, but what matters is God who gives the increase. God who makes things grow. Verse 7, he said, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You see, we get things twisted up and we place all the emphasis upon an individual or the giftings of the individual. And we say, I don't know how we would survive without those giftings or without that individual. We have missed it. It's God who makes things grow. It's God who makes things grow. Is our emphasis upon the gift or is it upon the giver? Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 3 went on to say, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. Oh, come on, church, you need to hear this this morning. One purpose. That purpose is not to build a reputation. That purpose is not to be held in high acclaim. That purpose is not so people can say, look at you and what you have done. That purpose is not so we can have a resume of our accomplishments and deeds using the gifts of God. The one purpose of both Apollo and Paul is to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's it. Why was the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost? Well, what did Jesus say? He said in Acts 1.8, after that the Holy Ghost has been poured out on you, you will receive what? Power. Power for what? Power to be a witness. The word witness from the Greek is, is translated also martyr. In other words, you're going to give your life to declare who I am. It's not about all the foo-foo stuff, not all about the fuzzy, warm feelings that we get caught up in. It's about telling men and women about Jesus Christ. That's why we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so we can tell somebody about who He is. We have one purpose, and that's to bring glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's to point men to the Savior of the world. That's to declare there's one God, one Savior, one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. That's to once again, over and over again, declare He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and every knee shall bow before Him. That's our one purpose. He said the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. What's your purpose in coming to church this morning? What's your purpose in living a Christian life today? Is your purpose so that you can somehow be benefited? Is your purpose so that you can somehow be blessed? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that can't be the primary driving factor in your life. Your purpose has got to be to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Listen, and it can't be a rare occasion. One purpose drives us. It consumes us. It causes us to do things that we would normally not do. Why? Because we've been endued with the power to fulfill one purpose. That's why the Holy Spirit was poured out. To give us power to fulfill the purpose of God in and over our lives. But we distort the purpose. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has one purpose, and that's to point men to Jesus Christ, to point men to God, to show them there is a way of salvation, to show them there's a way out of the mess you're in, and it comes through Him. Aren't you glad that somebody took the time somewhere, someplace, to tell you about the one purpose? 
Aren't you glad that somewhere down the path of your life, either a preacher or a parent or a sibling or an educator or a friend or an evangelist took the time to tell you there is one purpose. I'm here for one purpose. Oh, folks, come on. We've got to understand it today. Pentecost isn't about feeling good and warm fuzzies. It's not about all these gifts. It's about one purpose. And everything we receive through the Holy Spirit of God is for that purpose. To tell someone, to be a martyr for Jesus Christ, a witness for Jesus Christ. And if we aren't doing that, we're not fulfilling the purpose. We're just like the Corinthians. We're arguing about whose seed we are. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of this preacher. I follow this one. I I pursue that one. Oh, come on. Let me tell you something. Every preacher in the world at some time or another will let you down. But there is one who will never fail. One who will never disappoint. One who will never cause you to say, I can't believe you just did that or said that. And his name is Jesus. Follow the Christ. Follow the Christ. One purpose. One purpose. It goes on to say they will each be rewarded according to their own labor when they pursue one purpose. You see, when you and I give more value to the gift than we do to the giver, we fail to understand God's will in us and for us. When we, when we begin to give more value to the gift than we do the giver, then we find ourselves in the place where we become so consumed with that gift and what that gift can do that we forget we need a word from God. We need to come back to where Elijah was in 2 Kings chapter 2 or 3 and say, bring me a musician so I can hear from God. Let me worship the living one so once again I can come into his presence and he can speak into my life. If you're, if you're dry, if you're thirsty today, can I encourage you? Find a place of worship. Maybe it's a CD in your car. Maybe it's the back room in your house. Maybe it's right in this church this morning. But find a place where you can begin to exalt him because when you exalt him he comes in and comes down and begins to speak to you allow God to begin to move in your heart put more value on the giver than you do on the gifts you see the the real fallacy of this whole observation is that the gifts come from the giver But yet we act like they reside in us, that they're ours to possess. No, Paul said to the Corinthians, the Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills the gifts of God. They're not yours, they're his. Stop acting like I'm this great whatever you think you are and come back and say, he's the great who is. Understand the gifts reside in the giver, not in you. And when we understand that, we become God's stage, God's platform. And he performs wonderful things on that platform to those who've never seen or believed because we want to reside in the giver and see his gifts flow through us. Rather than possess the gifts and diminish the giver. Am I making sense this morning? Are you with me? Do you understand what we're saying and where we're going? God wants us to come to a place where the thing we value most is Him. Him. But as believers, we value everything else. We value all kinds of other things. We played emphasis where it should not be. God wants us to value Him. When we do that, He becomes the headliner. 
And when we do that, then Psalm 9017 is fulfilled in our lives because it says, let the favor of the Lord, our God, be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Oh, when I value the giver, you know what that does? That opens the door for his favor to rest upon me. That opens the door for him to confirm my words, to confirm my actions, to flow through me, to move through me, to change hearts and to change lives by his divine power, not by my gifts. God is speaking it to us this morning. Church, we've been looking at the wrong thing. Look back to the giver. Value the giver more than the gift and see what God will do in your life. When we value the gift more than we value the giver, then we get caught up in all the nonsense that happens in the church world. We get concerned about titles and positions. I've told you many, many times, I don't need a title. I don't need a title. I know who I am in Christ. I know the role I fulfill. The position He has placed me in. I don't need a title to confirm that. I'm talking to somebody here today. You need to strip that stinking thinking off of yourself and say, I'm not going to go down that path anymore. I don't need a title. I know whose I am. And I know that I'm honoring the giver with my life. And that's all that matters. Doesn't matter if you acknowledge it or not. Because He will. Oh yeah, that's what Psalm 90 said. He said, his favor will rest upon me and he will confirm the work of my hands when I honor the giver. When I honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So many times we get caught up in stuff that is contrary to the gospel. So well, I'm not sure that's true. Where's the precedent? It's all through the book of Acts, starting in Acts chapter 5. You remember the story, there was a lot of believers who were in Jerusalem, and they had no food, they had no lodging, they had no means to take care of themselves, so the church started taking care of them. Barnabas sold a piece of land, and he brought that offering to Peter and John and gave it to them to take care of those individuals. And God blessed him. Great things happened because of his obedience. Well, there was another couple who saw what happened, and they wanted that same accolade. They wanted somebody to pat them on the back too. So they sold a piece of property. Their name was Ananias and Sapphira. It's Acts chapter 5. You can read it. And Ananias came first to Peter and John. And he said, we sold a piece of property, wanted to give it to Jesus. Give it to God. What did Peter say? Is this what you sold it for? And he said, yes, lying to the Holy Spirit. You know the story, he immediately fell dead because he lied to the Holy Spirit. What was he trying to do? He was trying to value the gift over the giver. Do you all hear what I'm saying? He was valuing the gift over the giver. Listen, if the only reason you bring tithe and offering is so you can have a deduction on your income tax, you're valuing the gift more than the giver. Come on, folks, get it in your spirit today. Understand the principles of God's Word. God wants you to value Him above all else. To love him above all else. What did Jesus say the greatest commandment was? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Be everything. Be all in for God. Don't hold back. And then three hours later, the Bible says that Sapphira, Ananias' wife, came into the temple. Said to Peter and John, we sold a piece of land. And they said, did you sell it for this price? She said, yes, lying also to the Holy Spirit. And she fell over dead. God wants us to value the giver more than the gift. He wants to value who He is more than what we do. 
There's another example. You can find it. It's in Acts chapter 8. The story is that persecution began coming against the believers in Jerusalem. And as a result, they scattered. They got out of Dodge. And Philip, who was an evangelist, went to Samaria and began to preach the gospel. Great things happened. You can read it. Acts chapter 8. It says miracles occurred. Demons were cast out. And great joy came to the city. In Acts chapter 8, you can read it in verses 9 and 11. It talks about one individual who came to know God in that revival. His name was Simon. Let me read it. Verse 9, Acts 8. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And astonished the people of Samaria, claiming he was someone great. Verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, listen to it, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. They were looking at the gift. They weren't looking at the giver, were they? This man wasn't of God. He was of the devil. They didn't even know that. Then you can read on down just a few verses, and it says that Simon himself accepted Christ as a Savior at the preaching of Philip. And now the story takes a turn because Peter hears that there's a great revival in Samaria, so he went down, and this is what he said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They had not. They'd only been baptized in the name of Jesus. He laid hands on them, and they began receiving the Holy Spirit just like in Acts chapter 2. And then Simon came to Peter. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. Just because you accepted Christ as your Savior doesn't mean you got all the junk out of your life. Christianity is a process of transformation. You have to walk through the process every single day. There are believers who sit in church seats week after week after week and see no noticeable change because they resist the process of transformation. Simon, according to the scripture, had accepted Christ as his Savior. But then he came to Peter and he, when he saw what was going on, and he said, I'll pay you to have the ability to give this gift. So when I lay hands on people, they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He valued the gift more than the giver. He valued the gift more than the giver. And this is what Peter said to him. You can read it in Acts 22, 8, 22. Repent of your wickedness. Pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Folks, did you hear what he said? There's some things in you that need to change. What does repentance mean? It means a 180 degree turn. It means walking away from that stuff that has held you bound. Some folks in this room this morning need to repent. Because you're still living in that place of bondage. You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to set you free. And he's saying to you today, stop valuing the gift more than the giver. Because in the giver, there is life, there is transformation, there is release, there is hope, there is help. If you'll value the giver. Look at the next verse, verse 23. This is what Peter said. This is a word of knowledge. You see it exercised right here. A word of knowledge, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, for I see... That you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You see, the Holy Spirit showed Peter his heart. And he addressed the issues of his life. There are some in this very room this morning bound by bitterness. 
It's got you tied in a knot. You are not free. You are bound. You are bound over an incident or a happenstance or a circumstance or a word or a conversation that happened 22 years ago. It's time to lay it down. Ask God to forgive you and be set free. Peter said you're bound. You're poisoned by bitterness. You're bound by iniquity. Poisoned by bitterness. When we value the gift more than the giver, things come into our lives that we don't want there. Attitudes develop in us that change us and corrupt us. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? The Holy Spirit wants us to place the value on Him, His work in our life, not His gifts moving through our life. And when we value Him, then His gifts come with power and anointing and authority. And we see God do mighty things. But when we value the gifts, all we have is an empty shell. All we have is a facade, a pretense of what God wants us to be. There's another example, Acts chapter 19. It's a story of Paul and great things are happening and people are being saved and healed and delivered and and demons cast out. The Bible says there were itinerant Jews who went around the countryside exercising demons. And there were seven of these guys by the names of seven sons of Sceva. And they saw what Paul did and how Paul was able to set people free from demonic possession and oppression by using the name of Jesus, and this is what they tried. They said to a demonic, remember there's seven of them, right? And there's one demonic, seven to one. You got that? Seven to one. And they said to this demonic, we adjure you by whom Paul preaches, by Jesus in whom Paul preaches to come out of him. What did the demon say? He said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, But who in the world are you? What was the problem? They valued the gift more than the giver. They didn't understand to operate in the power of God. You've got to be connected to God. And what happened? The Bible says that demonic set upon them, beat them, stripped them, and they ran from the house naked, bloody, and bruised. You want to know why many times we find defeat in our lives as believers? It's because we put more value on the gift than we do on the giver. I'm here to tell you, if you'll value the giver, you will walk in victory. If you'll value the Holy Ghost of God, invite Him into your life every day. Ask Him to consume you, to cleanse you, to transform you. You will walk in victory. But, if you're trying to value some gift, follow some preacher, you're not going to walk in victory. Because it takes a personal relationship with the living God To tap into that kind of power and that kind of relationship. It has to be God in you. See, here's the main problem where I want to get to this morning and then I'm going to quit. When we value the gift more than the giver, it develops things in our lives that are poison to us. It develops pride. Look who I am. Look what God did through me. Look how I was used by the Holy Spirit. Look at all these people whose lives have been transformed. Well, let me tell you about the folks that I healed. You can't heal anybody. I want to make that clear right now. You can't heal anybody. 
There is one healer, his name is Jesus, and if you will allow him to flow through your life, his power can heal, but you can't heal anybody. So don't even try to try. Look at all these people that I have led to the Lord. Look at all these people that I brought to salvation. Oh, come on, quit building your resume and start seeking the giver. Because when you put the emphasis upon the gift, you fall into pride. Fall into pride. Pride leads us to a sense of self-righteousness. Look who I am and what I have done. I am always right. I am never wrong because of my gift. You refuse to accept correction. You refuse to follow the admonitions of the Word of God when you are consumed by pride and self-righteousness. How could you be wrong? You were so good. How could you be wrong? You were so perfect. Look what God has done. Look at this gift in my life. How wonderful it is. All these people have been changed. Get over yourself. Now catch this. Starts with pride. Leads to self-righteousness. And you know the end? Let me tell you the end. The end is a Jezebel spirit. It's a spirit that brings division and defeat into the kingdom of God. It's a spirit that points to me and what I have done and not to the giver. Oh, I speak against it today. That spirit will not have a root in this place. That spirit will not have a home in this church. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke that right now. It's not about you. You're not all that and a bag of chips. It's about Jesus. Come on, it's about the giver. It doesn't matter how talented you are, how gifted you are. If you aren't bringing honor to him, you're in the wrong arena. You're not playing on the right field if you're not bringing honor to Jesus Christ. I get fed up up to here when people tell me I have this gift or that gift. You have nothing. The gifts reside in the Holy Spirit. And when he chooses to allow those gifts to operate through you, you shouldn't be filled with pride, but you should be humbled. That someone like me, God would choose to use. That someone like me, I know me better than anyone else. You know you better than anyone else. And when God chooses to use you, it shouldn't puff you up with pride, but it should make you fall on your face and say, Father, I don't know why, but thank you that you did. Thank you that you did. When we value the gift more than the giver, we find ourselves living in a place of offense. I mean, all the time, somebody's offending us. Somebody is making us mad. Somebody's hurting our feelings. Somebody is doing something to us they shouldn't have done because we're living in a place of offense because we value the gift more than the giver. Stop it. Stop it. I'm speaking as your pastor. Stop it. Yes, we will have contentions. Yes, we will have disagreements. But I've got news for you. Those are all resolved when we come and value the giver. When we understand how the Holy Spirit works through our life. I won't always agree with Keturah, but I always love Keturah. And that's the difference. I won't always agree with Doug, but I will always love Doug. And that's the difference. You may think one thing and I may think another and that's okay because we're humans, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get in a head-to-head battle with you. Now listen, mark my words. I made this comment to Yvonne yesterday. When someone confronts the kingdom of God and the Jesus in me, I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to lay down and be ran over. 
Matter of fact, what I said to her, when someone invites me to a gunfight, why are they surprised when I show up? Come on, you need to think about that. If you're a born-again believer and you're valuing the giver, then when someone is defaming him, you stand up. You defend the kingdom of God and the cross of Jesus Christ, and you don't allow that to happen. It's time to stop being the folks everybody walks over and be the folks everybody says there's something different about them. They value the giver, and the giver flows in and through their lives. You know, we hear people say all the time, well, I have the gift of discernment. No, you don't. It's not even a gift. Read the scripture. It's discerning of spirits. It allows you to see what's of God and what's of the enemy. I have the word of knowledge. I have the word of wisdom. You have nothing. They all reside in the Holy Spirit. He gives them to every man severally as he wills. Stop valuing the gift and value the giver. Stop placing emphasis upon the gift and begin placing emphasis upon the Holy Spirit of the living God who points all men to Jesus Christ. And let God flow through your lives. Let God do a great work in and through you. I have the gift of faith. I doubt it. I really do. If you do, you wouldn't be still living in that mountain. Why don't we ever hear anyone say, I have the gift of hospitality. I have the gift of helps. I have the gift of cleaning toilets. I've never heard anybody say that. Have you? No, because that doesn't do anything for us. What I'm saying is it's not your gift. Let the Holy Spirit give to you what you need when you need it. Someone who thinks I've got this gift and it's mine for life is a nut. It's a nut. Because the gifts reside in the Holy Spirit. He provides them as we need it. I've operated in all nine gifts recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at different times in different places because of the need that was in front of me. We need to understand that He gives us the gifts as we need them for one purpose, and that's to bring men to Jesus Christ. The gift is not mine. The gift is His. And I'm going to let Him flow through me to exercise His will in my life. That's what Pentecost is really all about. It's helping us to understand the only way we're successful is through the power of God working in us. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power to be witnesses unto me. See, the whole purpose of the church, it's not Sunday morning meetings, although I'm glad you're here. The purpose of the church is to establish the kingdom, to tell people about Jesus Christ, to do things that are outside of our area of comfort, our realm of, of comfort, and allow God to move in us and through us. See, Mike and Amy right back here, the directors of Teen Challenge here in Tallahassee. I guarantee you, 10 years ago, they didn't think they'd be leading a Teen Challenge ministry right here in Tallahassee. They had no idea that's what God will let them do or cause them to do or enable them to do. But because they found Him, because He saved them and set them free, because He filled them with the Holy Spirit, they're here today for one purpose, to point men to Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, church, get it in your spirit. Every day we should pray, God, give me an opportunity for my one purpose. Give me an opportunity for my one purpose. And my one purpose is to point men to you. My one purpose is to draw them into you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Tom, get ready. 
I'm going to ask Tom to sing a song. I want you to think about the words of this song as he sings. And then I want you to let God speak to you. And as God speaks to you, you respond to him. Because there are some in this room this morning who need to find a place in this altar and say, God, help me. God, change me. God, transform me. Let this day be my personal Pentecost. Let it be when I come to my purpose in you. There's some in this room this morning that you need to deal with things that are in your life that are prohibiting you from moving to where you need to be in God. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Sense of self-righteousness and pride. God wants to help you today. He doesn't want you to live like that. He wants to set you free. And He wants you to walk then in that freedom. So it's very simple. As Tom begins to sing, as the Holy Spirit draws you, you just step out and come and find a place in this altar. And I want you to kneel before the Lord. I want you to bow in humility. Say, God, help me. Because I want to value the giver more than the gift. Sing it out, Tom. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.